Welcome to the next episode of the Memories of Crunchy Bees podcast. And it's fair to say that I think this one trumps all of the other podcasts so far. Um, I'm absolutely delighted and, and overwhelmed to be able to talk to somebody who is not only a legend linked to the Crunchy Bees, but also a legend in the sport of Speedway in whole. And I'm delighted to, to be able to talk to none other than Ollie Olsen. Ollie, how are you keeping? Not too bad. Thanks, Martin. Yeah, great to hear the name Coventry Bees again. <laughs> Absolutely, Ollie. I mean, you you, uh, you you know that you are, as I said, you, you go down in the history of the sport as a legend, but certainly when it comes to not just places like Newcastle and Wolverhampton in the UK, you you really did hit the heights at, at Brandon and, and your time in the late 70s, early 80s at Coventry must bring back some great memories for you. Certainly, yes. It's, uh, it was a fantastic time and... Uh... Actually, my whole time in England was uh, great, you know. I really loved it. And um, it's now many years ago, but uh, it still brings back some great memories. And uh, especially when I get in contact with people like you and uh, and we're talking going back in time. So uh, I really look forward to that. And um, obviously, uh, Coventry, you know, was... Uh, uh, was for me something very special, you know, and it was in 1976 uh, when I moved to Coventry. And and when you when you moved to, to Brandon, Ollie, obviously you'd already been crowned world champion two times. You'd had a, a great spell at Newcastle and then a, an even better spell at Wolverhampton. But what was it that, that forced you to, to make that decision to move to Brandon? I mean, I, I'm, I was born in 76, so I only really got to see the the tail end of your career but for, for those of us that are not old enough to to have been watching you at that time what what was the what was the thought process and the decision making about you mm. appearing at Brandon in, in 1976? Well it was actually uh, I wanted to move, move to uh, a bit bigger track and um, in uh, 19 uh, I can't remember if it was 73 or 74 there was uh, the uh, the um, uh, I think it was a Nordic British final or something uh, or in at Coventry and um uh, uh, at that time you know or which they still do FIM obviously made some supplementary regulations for these uh, world championship events and uh, there was um uh, a practice day that had to be 2 days before the event that was in the in the rules so I went down to Coventry, I remember, I think it was a Thursday, and they wanted to do the practice, you know, on the track, uh, which uh, was in the, the, the regulations and time and everything. And I turned up there and I wondered, it was only me that turned up. And uh, then all of a sudden I took my bike into the pits <laughs> and then uh, Charles Secretary, he comes out and he says, uh, you know, excuse me, uh, what so, so I says, well, you know, I'm here for the practice. Oh, <laughs> they, there's no practice, he says. Well, there is, there should be. I mean, it's a, it's a world championship supplementary regulations at, uh, I can't remember, it was two o'clock or something. It, it was around that. And um, he said, oh, you know, uh, that's, uh, that's uh, I, have, I didn't know that and things like that. And now it will be very difficult for us to, that you're racing on the track and, and I says, well, you know, I feel that's a little bit unfair because uh, it's in the rules and I wanted to do a few laps on it to get ready with it. So he took me into the office and uh, had a coffee and, and uh, he said, uh, you know, would I, would I um, 
accept that I couldn't go on it and uh, and things like that. So, well, I'll have to, you know, if you feel that it's, it's so much. So I did that, but they got a good talk talk with him. And uh, I thought he was quite good. But then also I think uh, I, I put a bit of um, impression on him uh, in the way that I accepted that. I didn't sort of throw my arms up in the air and I was to that although I was quite disappointed, but um, it, it was uh, it was the first sort of view I had with him. But obviously, I've been at Coventry Racing there in the league and things like that. So I liked the place and uh, I felt it, it was a good place. So um, then uh, sometimes later then, uh, you know, uh, I, I wanted to change from Wolverhampton and... Um, uh, I got into as uh, my last year at Wolverhampton will be in 1975, and then um, I want to move. And then uh, I contacted Charles and I said to him, "I would like to go to Coventry. Would you be interested in that?" Oh, certainly, he said. Uh, that 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 would be okay and uh, could be interesting. And um, then obviously I won the world title then in '75 as well. So. Um, he was very keen, but uh, I then went on to Australia for, uh, I was racing there every winter uh, in Australia and New Zealand and that and a little bit in America uh, and then back to Britain. But it was in the winter months for Europe. So, um, and uh, Charles rang me a couple of times and uh, I saw in the, uh, I had some news that, um, you know, they were putting me up to Hull. And uh, I wasn't going to do that. Um, so uh, I didn't want to move up to Hull at all. And uh, I says, uh, I'm going to run at Coventry. And um, if, uh, if not, I won't, I won't do British Speedway in 1976. So <laughs> it sort of rolled on from there. And then Charles rang me a couple of times in Australia because I hadn't done a deal with Charles. We sort of shook uh, hands on, uh, and and he said he was very interested. I was sure we could find find he would find a good deal for me, and he rang me. Are you still? Uh, do you still want to come to Coventry? And uh, and I says, of course. If you want me, I'll be there. And uh, if not, uh, you'll have to wait another year then, because I'm just <laughs> not riding. But but for how? I'm not going to any other club. I want to go. And he says, yeah, but we, 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 do have, we don't have a contract and things. I says, Charles, my word, I'll be there. And if it's your word that you want me there, then we will go for that. So he says, I'll fight that then, and which he did in the winter. But then, uh, you know, things changed uh, backwards and forwards, and uh, I didn't get a club. And then I remember Wally Morsley and um, what was his name in Hull, um, uh, the promoter up there, he, they flew to America when I was racing over there and sort of just uh, had a signed check. It was an open check. I could just fill it in myself if, if I was going to uh, to hold. And I says, I ain't doing that, so I ain't going up there. And then they really sort of tried out there. They invited me out for dinner and, and all this. And, and then they were signing this check and just rolled, pass it over to me Put the fig in yourself, he says, whatever you want. <laughs> so he says, look, I'm, I'm going to Coventry. Uh, if, if I'm riding in Britain or not, uh, then I'm not riding in Britain. So that was uh, tremendous. And then uh, obviously, um, uh, you know, it was uh, uh, 
we, we had a couple of backwards and forwards and then the, the promoter up in the can't quite get his name now. I can see him in front of me. What's his name up there? Not uh, it was Wally Morsley and this other guy. What was his was name? It, I don't know. Would it have been Ian Thomas back then, or was that would that be too early for him? I don't know. I don't know who the poet would have been back then. No, it was uh, you know. Um, uh, anyway, it doesn't matter because uh, you know what what happened is that uh, Charles says to me, you know, they want me to pay them and they will let you go. Then I says, Charles, don't do that. Don't pay them a bean. Because uh, I don't want I, w I don't want that I don't want you to do it. So one day Charles rang me and I says, "Can you come down and uh, we got to meet this guy up, Ian Thomas? That's what it was, yeah, up on the motorway." And uh, uh, so we went up there and and I said to Charles on the way in the car, "Don't pay him anything, Charles." <laughs> so I get there and uh, we sat down and I said to to Ian there, you know, I'm not I'm not riding at all, so so you know you're not gonna get anything. But then anyway, Charles, he, he kept uh, saying that uh, if they could find a solution and then they found to, to get their way of doing it. And uh, I think he had to pay him £30,000, you know, for, wow. for letting me go. And uh, obviously uh, that was, uh, it was, it was disappointed to me, not, not from Charles' point of view of what he did, but but more what Ian Thomas really used that. I've never done one lap for them. It was just the the uh, the uh, promoter association, the PSPA, has allocated me up there, so so he scored a fat check on that. Uh, but anyway, I got uh, I got to Coventry, and uh, that was great. You know, I really felt good, and obviously uh, we had we had a fantastic season there. And, and Ollie, with your, I mean, you speak very highly and, and very passionately about Charles, um, as are the riders who I've spoken to have done. I mean, what was it about the man that, that made you want to, to sort of stay with Coventry, even though, you know, you, you could have missed that whole season? What was it about Charles that, that made you want to ride for him in the club? Well, I thought it was, it was a good setup there, you know. It was, uh, it was, uh, the uh, the uh, the whole stadium was okay. The track was always well done, you know, and uh, well prepared. And uh, also, uh, Charles was a good promoter. And if you wanted to invite a sponsor or something, they helped you uh, to go up in the restaurant and things like that, the meals and set things up. And uh, and you could rely on him, you know. When Charles said something, uh, then that was it. Uh, and uh, the other way around and I like that I could trust him and he trusted me fully so uh, it, it became a very close relationship we had and uh, uh, unfortunately uh, you know uh, he died too early I think you know I would have liked to have seen him but I had some good years after you know and also I met him at the Grand Prix and things like that so uh, him and Linda we still uh, send a Christmas card to Linda so uh, every year, so I uh, hope they're all well there. Yeah. But uh, Charles, Charles was fantastic. He he was uh, the best promoter over there, and he put money into the to the stadium and things like that at that time. And um, also, uh, <clears throat> we changed the track for FIM World Championship events. You know, with the lighting and uh, uh, all that, we did a few bits and pieces there. Uh, for for it to get an FIM international license, so he could run all all the things that uh, that he wanted there, and there was no problem. He, he wanted to do that, so 
it, it was good. Charles, I like that. It was a great time there and um, great promoter, fantastic man. And his wife, Linda, you know, they're great. We had a good relationship with them. And you mentioned, Ollie, that you'd, you'd win your second world title, end of 1975. You'd been around the world, Australia, New Zealand. So you, you're a man at the top of your game. And, and in that first season with the Bees in, in 76, um, I mean, the stat that I looked at the other day, which, which I couldn't believe, but in that whole season, you only had one last place. I mean, were you, at that time, did you feel that you were really at the, at the peak of your powers in terms of, of your speedway and your machinery and, and your, your just general performance? Yeah, I felt good in those years. I, I really felt from from uh, when I won the world championship, the first world championship in 71 in Gothenburg. Uh, uh, I think I, I'd won that uh, a year earlier, too early, uh, because I needed a little bit more experience. Uh, because in 1972 at Wembley, you know, uh, I, I lost one race. I fell off in one race in my first heat, actually. And uh, uh, I lost the title there. I won four heats after that. So uh, I felt that I needed a little bit more experience, um, you know, in these championships. And uh, I thought you had to win everything because I won at Gothenburg with 15 points. I thought I've got to get 15 at Wembley as well. <laughs> so I learned a bit later that you can drop a point, uh, you know, uh, it's just uh, who you drop it to and, and in what race. Um, so, uh, you know, uh, then uh, 73 was also a, a, a good season I had, uh, but then I broke my shoulder and things like that. So things, it was coming in. And then uh, I thought uh, in 74, when I got injured at Gothenburg in the world final, there, it's, um, uh, I was lying at the hospital there in, in Gothenburg and I thought 75 is going to be my year. So I started there on planning that because Wembley, I like to ride down at Wembley. It was a great stadium, the atmosphere. So um, I then decided that this is going to be it. And, um, you know, I worked hard at that. And then obviously uh, it was a great for me to winning that in 75. And then also I thought I'm going to change. I want to go to a bigger track. Uh, and Coventry was a place. And then it sort of all rolled on from there. And in that in that first season at, at Comp Charlie, you you lined up in his in his final season. Another man that, when I ask people uh, on the line and, and sort of ask them who their all time favourite bees rider is, you know names like Ollie Olsen come out quite frequently, and also Nigel Bucock, who uh, was coming to the end of his career at Coventry, and you you spent one season with him in '76. What was it like riding with Nigel? Oh, it was great. Nigel was a tremendous guy, and. Uh... I saw him first time in uh, 19, uh, what will that have been, uh, 66, I think, when I qualified for the Nordic British final at Sheffield. And I saw him had a tremendous race with uh, uh, Mike Broadbanks, <clears throat> you know, in the yellow and blue leathers. And I thought it was fantastic. And obviously, he was a great man to be with, Nigel, a funny guy, and uh, also, and um, you know, it, it, it was great with him. It, it was great, great stuff. And uh, also he had, uh, as you said, was a big name at Coventry. So I was pleased to be around him. And other names in the team that year, Ollie, you got, um, again, names that will be well known in, in the past. So Mitch Shiraz, Yuri Stansel, John Harry, Alan Molyneux, riders that, that over the years you got to ride a lot with around Brandon. And, and what was the sort of the team spirit like with that sort of team in 76? 
Well, that was that was uh, uh, good riders, and also we got them to the club, you know, because Charles had a very close uh, relationship with him, uh, you know, on the uh, the um, team and that, and um, obviously, uh, you know, I said to him, we need to change this, and we need to get a few of these guys in, uh, different guys, and uh, Charles was on the ball with that straight away. Uh, so, uh, you know, then Jerry Stansel and these John Harry and Molyneux and all these, uh, they were mid-shearer, you know, they were good. And later, you know, uh, Gary Kuglimi and, and these sort of boys, uh, it was all good. And obviously, uh, you know, uh, um, Tommy Knutsen and all these, Busky and uh, Alf Busk, and they, well, they came in. We had, a, we had, a, had a, a lot to do. I had a lot to do with the team. I used to go down to Coventry and um, in the first years, well, more or less in all the years, uh, we used to have a, a little team talk uh, every sort of second home match. Uh, then uh, we met to, to a cup of tea down there with the boys and, uh, and a couple of hours before the meeting and talked about what we need to do and what need to be better and things like that. So, uh, and we changed it from there. And then all, obviously... Uh, I had a meeting with Charles. Every meeting we had, home meeting down there. Uh, I remember it was fantastic to go into uh, his office in there, the office girl out out front. And uh, uh, then I went into Charles' office and um, Linda always came with a, with a cheese roll to me, you know, and, <laughs> and a cheese roll and a cup of tea. And we had <laughs> Charles... And he was sitting over by behind his desk, and they were fantastic. And he had an old typewriter as well, and he wrote all that down on the typewriter. And uh, and he keep I keep saying to him uh, different things, and says, "Charles, I think we need to change him. We need to have a writer there in that position. That's a bit better, or or I think we can do one. We can do a bit more with." And um, uh, he was saying, uh, so you're telling me that, that we need to change that team. I says, yes, I'm telling you that. So uh, what, what do you think? He says, okay, so you magnet this down on the typewriter and then, uh, you know, that, that was it. That was the same as the team manager when uh, I felt uh, Pete Adams, you know, as you know, uh, I sort of got him into to that side of the sport. I mean, he, he was a Wolverhampton fan and... Uh, one day, uh, must have been in 1970 or something. I'm going back many, many years <laughs> here, but he was, I hope that's okay. But uh, he was, um, uh, I was uh, practicing for for a big event or something, or maybe it'd been uh, 75, or I can't remember when it was. We were around that time anyway. And um I, I had some trouble with spark plugs. You know, my bike had stopped a couple of times and the spark plug was wrong. And we couldn't get a large spark plug, which I was the ones I was using for a bike always. And then one day, uh, uh, afternoon or something, uh, uh, Pete comes up and he stands outside the door up at Home Chapel where, where we were living. And uh, and he says, uh, oh, I see. I heard on the PA at Wolverhampton you got problems with your spark plugs. So I says, oh yeah, uh, I, I got two from you here. So he's got two of these spark plugs, exactly what I wanted. You know, the large spark plugs. And um, and he came up with them, and I says, oh, 
well, Jesus, you didn't drive all the way up here just with that, did you? Yeah, yeah, I did. And um, then I says, well, do you want a cup of tea or something? Yeah, uh, yeah, no, that was okay. He just wanted to give you the spark plug. But then I got to know him, and obviously uh, uh, I took him in, and he became sort of a, 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 a he ran my fan club then in England, him and his uh, wife at that time, Paula. And then, then they started that up, and he did a lot of other things for me. Then he sort of came in more or less as a manager job, and um, he booked my flight tickets and a lot of things, and got very close to Pete. He picked me up at the airport and things like that. So we drove a lot uh, of miles in the cars, and, you know, that's a good place to have a, a good talk. So, so we talked a lot of things. So... Um, Lots of ideas I had also with International Speedway, the FIM and, um, uh, you know, machine examination, how that was done, because I felt it was bloody stupid half of the way they did it. So we get some mm -hmm. sheets made and Pete was very clever with all that and uh, and very good on, on that side. Uh, um, he was uh, he was uh, a qualified engineer or some architect, not architect. I think what uh, design uh, designer or something. So so uh, clever boy him. And um, then I got into him, and I said to Charles one day, "We need him as a team manager." Oh, do you, do you think he will do that, or can we get that? I says, "Yeah, why not?" <laughs> so uh, so. Uh, I said to Pete, you know, I've got a job for you now, team manager. Oh, that would be lovely. So, so he would. So then he got in as a team manager, and 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 we run on from there. We we did the master speedway together, lots of things, build tracks uh, and different things together. So that was quite interesting. Some fantastic years with him. And and Pete's still involved very much with the sport now, still at Wolverhampton, but also, uh, you know, he's been helping tie out in the Grand Prix and stuff. So, again, somebody who um, very much ingrained in the sport and, and very popular and knowledgeable. And, and it's people like that that the sport have always had throughout the heartbeat of it, hasn't it, Ollie? Yeah, that's right. He's uh, he's still involved with that. So uh, <clears throat> it was good. Uh, the only thing was that he went on to Cradley, you know, which was a bit <laughs> disappointing and... Uh, and then, uh, and and obviously at Wembley in '81, you know, when he was with Penhall, so uh, he he knew a little bit too much, you know, about what was going on <laughs> on my side. But um, no, it, it was good. He 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 was good, Pete, and and still is. He's um, actually he was uh, also involved when I got uh, Ty Woffenden into the Grand Prix on a wild card, uh, because I rang Pete and told him that. Um, does he want to get into the Grand Prix? He says, oh, yeah, I'm sure he, he wants to. I says, but he has to really get into uh, a better shape then and really concentrate on it because I think he's got good abilities. And obviously Pete agreed with that. And I says, well, you get tied to give me a call and, uh, and because I want to hear it from him that he wants to really get in. And Ty rang me then and uh, then... Uh, uh, I sort of pushed on for the FIM to to get him into the Grand Prix because I felt we needed a British uh, rider in a good rider in there as well and uh, in those days and um, so uh, he got in and we know what's happened there then you know mm -hmm. he just cleaned it all up and fantastic and mm -hmm. then Pete looked after him because that was sort of part of the deal 
that he had to come with him at all Grand Prix and make sure that he, he, would, he would really get stuff into it. So that worked really good. And do you think, Ollie, with the, I mean, the Grand Prix we'll touch a bit more on later on, but do you think had there been a Grand Prix series back in the 70s, early 80s, do you think you'd have, you'd have got more than, than the World Championships that you got? Oh, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. Well, you know, I say that, but I'm quite pleased with that. But I definitely think uh, that I would. I should have won 72, you know. That was, uh, uh, I needed somebody, you know, or myself, really. So I should have won that there. And then, uh, <clears throat> you know, 77, we had this very bad meeting in Sweden as well, you know, was worse. Uh, uh, raining and raining and we had to have this race run all the time and the people got uh, keep falling off and things like that off the bikes and uh, so uh, you know in the end uh, Ivan won that too so uh, I think that you know was quite good and obviously Wembley in 81 which was the one that I really worked at because I wanted to win that um, and then I wanted to stop at that time because I was already 80 and then I was sort of, you know, starting thinking it's going to be finished now. Actually, if I go back, it was around about 78 um, when Jakob has to go to school. We wanted him to start school in Denmark, so I wanted to move back then to Denmark. But then I won the title there and we won the pairs in nine, 79. So, it was, uh, you know, it was sort of time, but then I would have liked to nip that at Wembley, and then I thought, oh, I, I, I was second there, so I went, um, I'm going to do it in America the year after, in California, in 82, uh, on Bruce's home track, uh, but uh, <laughs> I never qualified then, I got knocked out, that's when we had all these muffler problems and things like that, it was very difficult to set the bikes up properly. But anyway, it didn't. So I thought I couldn't stop without being in a world final. So then 83 was the thing. I said, this is definitely my last season. And, and in terms of um, world championships, Ollie, and, and, you know, 81 was the first world final I went to. I was only five. I remember I was on the third corner with my mum and dad and thousands of people there. And the, the atmosphere still lives with me to this day. I mean, do you, did, you, did you ever change your approach when it came to to world finals or, or did you have that sort of professionalism and approach all throughout any meeting that you attended? What was the, did you change anything when you got to sort of the, the end of the season, sort of the big finale? Oh yeah. I mean, you had to, well, you, you worked in that all year. I think, you know, I did the sort of had schedules on certain meetings. I wanted to win and things like that. So I sort of tested myself and this is the world final tonight. And now this is what I'm going to do. And uh, during the season, I used to do that. And um, I've done that with Eric Anderson as well. And others people I've helped, you know, to sort of prepare yourself so you can, you know, that you can be ready when you are, instead of just waiting for the, for the night, you know, really concentrate. And um so you prepare yourself, but obviously in the league and things like that, you write hard and uh, what you can do. But in the world championship, you just have to go a little bit uh, over the line. You know, you just have to do a little bit more to 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 win that that cha- title there. So, um, and obviously there's a lot of pressure on 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 a one night. I mean. If you miss that in one heat, you know, you lost three points or something, uh, sometimes 
you know, if you lost two, you know, you were still sort of in with a chance, but it depend who you lost the point to and um, for a runoff, you know, but, but obviously otherwise you could wait 12 months again, you know, to qualify yeah. for the world final and then have to have a go at it. Today, you know, the Grand Prix, obviously you're running 11 events, you know, and, uh, and the system is... Uh, you know more that uh, especially now they change the 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 points. You know you can go on eight points and and qualify for the semi final and 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 win that or, or or second. You know and then you into the final and you get twenty points when you nip it. But um, so uh, you know it's it depresses a little bit off. I think in in many ways and not not the same as you can always do it better next week. It's like a league match, so you have a bad night in the league. So you know, well, I'm riding tomorrow again or or the day after, so I'm going to make yeah. it better there. And, and I'm sure you've watched it a number of times, Ollie. but that, that 81 final at Wembley where you were just pipped by Bruce and you've mentioned that, you know, you wanted to get revenge the year after. And in particular, there were two races, one with Bruce and one with Tommy, uh, with Bruce as well. I mean, what, what sort of memories do you have of, the, of that race with Bruce? Uh, at Wembley, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it was uh, uh, he. He was he was a hot shot, wasn't he? And uh, obviously, uh, on their Westlakes and all that, they were they were doing well on on the bikes here, and uh, he had a great tune as well in Eddie Bull, and uh, so uh, you know, and he was fast, the Bruce, and a very f- fantastic rider, and, and a great kid as well. So uh, it was obviously, him you had to beat, and. Um, Things happen. So if I've seen the race, I can't remember it quite now. I haven't seen it lately. But, uh, you know, it, I think we're lifting a little bit in the corner. I think I picked up a little bit dirt coming out of the corner. And so did he, I think, as far as I remember. And uh, that just gave him that little bit of speed. And uh, I was sort of, you know, could see the checkered flag up there. So I thought I'm, I'm going to do it. You know, it would have been nice to have a photo finish there. So, uh, <laughs> so you could have seen exactly, you know, because in those days he was just a referee. I would have liked to have seen actually who did want it. Um, obviously they gave it to him, but uh, there was a little trick there that I, I taught a lot of the riders, you know, when you have a close race, as this, as soon as you go over the line, you know, uh, just put both your arms up in the air because then the referee <laughs> will think that you won it. So he's going to give you the three points. And uh, obviously Pete told Bruce that, so he put his arm up in the air as well as did I. So uh, <laughs> we both had the arms up in the air, So, but it didn't work that time. Well, it worked for him, all right. <laughs> but, and would, uh, you, would you say, Ali, towards the end of your career, then you, you've mentioned Bruce, but on uh, over the... The, the main part of your, your period, your, your main rivals, I guess Ivan would have been up there, um, Bruce towards the end of your career. Were, were there any other, any other riders that you sort of come up against that you, you know, you really wanted to be, or was it a case that you just wanted to be anybody you was against? No, we didn't want to beat, beat, beat anyone, you know, when I had to, that's what I was in it for, you know, for mm. winning. And, uh, so, uh, you know, they, they I wanted to beat, but obviously uh, you knew riders that you had to beat. And that was the riders like Major and things like that and Penhall in the later years. But uh, uh, Major was certainly uh, Mitchinek and uh, all these uh, top four Swedes and uh, 
uh, Australians, uh, you know, that were New Zealanders. So, uh, you know, you had to beat them. But uh, a lot of the time you, you won those things in the league match. I mean, uh, you came up to, um, to the tapes, you know, and, uh, and you had to beat them. In, in the league, you know, so when, when you're standing next to them in a world final and you keep beating them, then they will feel a bit under pressure, you know. So, uh, which I had too with some riders. I remember Billy Saunders, uh, Australian, uh, you know, and jeez, um, you know, he seemed to nip me every time when it matters, <laughs> you know. So I had a little bit in the back of my head, you know, when I met him in some important meetings that he could do. And sometimes I think that he... It was just, it didn't matter what he scored or what place he ended up in, in the meeting, as long as he beat me, he says. <laughs> and and uh, I think a lot of riders had it like that, you know. They had to beat, beat, beat Olsen. And um, I see that as well when I talk to people uh, today and uh, mm-hmm. and they, they come back memories. Oh, yeah, it was very important for me to beat you at that time. You talk to Eric and Hans and all these, uh, they, they were, because, you know, there was a guy you wanted to beat as well as I wanted to beat Major and the top top notch there, you know. And was it was it a healthy rivalry, Ollie? I mean, it, it always seemed from whenever I read old articles and that sort of thing that there was a, there was a definite respect between people like yourselves and Ivan and, and the top boys. What was it any different then to what it is now with with the, the Grand Prix guys? Uh, no, I think I think they have the, the same respect for each other today, and uh, which we had then. As well, you know, I mean, obviously, uh, we went forward. I remember Ivan and I at World Finals, um, we used to shake hands, you know, when after the briefing in the dressing room. And uh, I says to Ivan, uh, you know, I says, um, I hope I win today, but if I don't win, I hope you win. And he says, well, same to you, Ollie, and they're all the best. So uh, that that's how we went from there. But obviously, I was very close to Ivan, you know, he was something special for me and um, uh, we did a lot of things together and um, a great friendship so unfortunately he's he's also gone but uh, uh, you know it, it, it he was fantastic so let, let's touch on on the the key parts and ollie of your, your your time at brandon i mean you've mentioned him already but 77 um again you averaged well over 10 points a meeting and, and you bought what was going to be probably the start of a a run of young Danes over the next few years that Busky came in in, in 77. Uh, and it seemed that each year there'd be a, another young Dane on, on the production line and very much country sort of had first dabs on those people. And that when they came out of Denmark. Yeah, obviously, uh, you know, uh, for me, the, the Danish speedway meant a lot. I mean, uh, when I went to England in, in uh, 1967, you know, after I'd been on a training school over there at Bellevue, uh, um, you know, there was only about nine or eight uh, juniors in Denmark and uh, obviously winning the world championship in 71, it sort of exploded. And then uh, in, in the course of the 70s, uh, 18 tracks were built in Speedway. The sport just had a major leap forward and uh, and uh, obviously and uh, I, I built um, also Voyant's Speedway Centre. So... Uh, um, and then these boys came in and then uh, they've seen it's funny things happens when you see uh, uh, one that you know uh, next door he he also has two legs only and and he rides a bike now he's world champion i think i can do that and i think some of the danes have got that into their head 
and um, I got them over. I ran training schools in the 70s uh, for, for these people, and uh, so I helped it up. And uh, obviously, as soon as I could see a little bit of potential on them and uh, things like that, uh, we brought them over to England, like Tommy and Alf and uh, things like that. Alf was uh, really the first one, I think, that came over. He stayed with us, and he, he was a great, uh, great rider as well. And, and in 1978, you, you managed to, um, I guess, repay all the faith that, that you'd put in with Charles in terms of building the team. And it was the first of back-to-back league titles, um, quite a settled side by then. But the, the introduction of a, a, an Australian kid, Gary Guglimi, um, certainly somebody who obviously, you know, brought, brought other things on himself in the sport. But how, how tough was Gary? Because whenever I see videos of him on the track, he was a no-nonsense type of guy, wasn't he? Well, you know, he was he was a uh, he was a great guy, and I, I liked them. Uh, I, I felt really a lot for the team, and I was very involved with them. And I liked to sort of ride with them, team ride with them, and and, and uh, teach them a lot of things and uh, how to do this, that, and the other. And obviously, they respected that deeply, and uh, it, it was uh, fantastic. And Gary was one, you know, we had to put into. You had to put him into shape a couple of times, and uh, but uh, but he performed well. And then then uh, because he wanted to do something for you, and I said, Gary, you owe this to me. Now you've got to get there, <laughs> go go and win that race and things like that. So uh, it it is um, it, it 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 was important. The same was Mitch Shearer. He was also he could be very temperate, but you know I could control him. Okay, and. Uh, uh, which was good. So um, all the team boys there, you know, we, we were very close. And I think, uh, well, I'm sure they respected me a lot, you know, which I felt great about, uh, of course, and uh, wanted to help them and give something back to them. So, uh, but but Charles, everybody, the whole, the whole uh, Coventry outfit uh, was very helpful to everybody and, uh, and, and enjoyed the, the times we had there, which was also great. And, and after winning the league, obviously it was the same season that you picked up your, your third world title. Um, would you say '78 was was one of your most enjoyable seasons in the sport? Yeah, I think it was, it was fantastic. I mean, I think I have lots of of the seasons here that was fantastic. But '78 obviously was very very good, and uh, particularly with it Coventry and uh, things like that, it was fantastic. Uh, and. Uh, <clears throat> Uh, you know, it was uh, it, it was great, and uh, Charles and Linda obviously were very pleased with that. And then they received us back at Coventry, Ula and I at the stadium uh, for the first meeting we had after Wembley. It was just fantastic. Uh, a crowd was there, and they were backing it up. It, it was it was fantastic. It uh, it was uh, very special, and also with the Danes here and uh, things like that. And, I remember also when we got over um, uh, Sam, uh, no, what's his name, uh, Sam Nicolaisen. Yep. You know, I got him over, and it was fantastic with him because I could get him to ride as well. He was, a, he was, a, he was a great rider, and uh, I loved him. He was a good little boy, and uh, he came there, and, and he had a bad, bad evening or something, a couple of heats, and uh, we were pressed a bit on the, to winning. So I, I told Sam, I said, Sam, you've got to go out there now and win that race. If you, you've got to win that race for me, you know, you must do it because otherwise we're losing the match and I don't want to 
now we've brought you over and all that. So uh, the, cr- the crowd loves you and all that. You've got to do it. He was shaking all over the place. I think. <laughs> and, and, and he went out. And he won the race, you know. The whole stadium lifted. And he was fantastic. And after that, he was uh, Sam the man, you know. They were really going on with him. Because I also remember that back at Wolverhampton when I first rode to Wolverhampton. They didn't like me there when I first came in the 70s to Wolverhampton because uh, they felt that I pushed out uh, Hassey Holmquist, who was a very popular rider there, and um, a Swedish boy. And and obviously I didn't. It was Mike Parker's track, and I rode for Newcastle, and he just shifted me down there, which I was sort of pleased with. I wanted to go a bit more in the Midlands. And, uh, and, uh, and they sort of didn't like that. Sometimes they booed me the early you know when i got on the track and uh, then we have a race against cradley and uh, uh they, they, that was uh, some matches we had there the same we had them at coventry but but that one particular was uh, and they had that burnt pearson a swedish boy as well that was unbeatable around cradley and wolverhampton he was very good as well anyway i went down and beat him in one race from the back and after that I was really a wolf, you know. I, I became Wolverhampton's best rider, and the crowd was all, what, he's marvellous, him. And they forgot all about Hassi Holmquist. <laughs> and the same happened a bit with Sam, I think, you know. Sam thought, ah, oh, he may not be as good as he says, you know. But then there, it was all over. He was Sam the man. And and with the with the league title in the bag, Ollie, how how sort of easy was it each year to just sit down with Charles and agree a deal? Was it something that that was pretty much a, a gentleman's agreement? Did you did you have to do much negotiating, or was it pretty much job done? You, you know what you're going to do? No, none at all, because Charles, you know, we used to come into the office and and, and we we did a deal and. Uh, we were talking and Charles says, uh, you know, this is what I, I'm going to give you. I'll pay you. Uh, <clears throat> uh, he said, OK. And um, and I says, yeah, I think I think that's a fair deal, Charles. And, uh, you know, uh, because he looked after me, which he did at other riders as well. And then he says to me, uh, uh, I'll give you another 500 pounds. So I says, oh, well, you don't have to do that. Uh, you know, that's OK. Yeah, but I'll do that. But then. That goes to an insurance for you if you get injured, that you get paid every week something because a lot of riders, they forget about the insurance and things like that when you're racing. Mm. So he says, I'll give you £500 extra. And that is, but that goes for an insurance. In other words, I'll pay for the insurance. So I says, oh, thanks, Charles. And he did that with other riders. That was the kind of man he was. Wow. <clears throat> I remember also at um, Coventry, when I won the world title at uh, at uh, Wembley, in those days you got a thousand pounds for for winning it and uh, and some FIM money as well. But but uh, you know and and we got up to um, for the first event at Coventry and uh, we were parading around there the track of the league match after I won the title and um, and then uh, Charles uh, he he gave all. She says, you, you, you've been a big part of that behind him and, uh, and also make sure. So I'm going to give you a £1,000 too, what he's won. So, <clears throat> excuse me. Yeah, it really gets me a bit because uh, that was so totally unexpected. But then that was, uh, that was fantastic. That was the man he was.
Yeah. And he did that with a lot of other riders. He helped them along. He was a great promoter. He was yeah. the best I ever rode for. And uh, and I think he was the best in England too because he was honest, but he wanted discipline as well. And he wanted to have uh, things had to be right, but a word was a word. Yeah. And a no was a no and a yes was a yes. You knew exactly where you stood. Exactly. So so when you've you've won the first league title with the B seventy nine with, with the possibility of retaining the title, and you introduced uh, another future B's legend uh, in the shape of Tommy Knudsen, who um, from the the late seventies right the way through the eighties um, until he got quite badly injured in Australia, became like yourself a, a name that's ingrained in, in Brandon history. What uh, what did you see in Tommy early on, Ollie, that that thought he was going to be such a, a top guy? Well, he he was a fantastic rider and uh, and a great personality and a great person as well. And he comes not far from from Boyens, you know, Scarbeck, and he rode for, for us down there. Uh, he he was fantastic, um, and he was very good on on the small fifties, you know, where they start on the mopeds. Uh, they start in Denmark in those days, and uh, obviously he was very young. I think he was only seventeen when when he got over to England. His father was with him. <laughs> when we came over there and uh, you know fantastic kid Tommy and uh, obviously as you said he got injured and um, uh, he, he he should have been world champion he should have won a world title as well he yeah. was good enough for doing that and uh, uh, it was uh, in unfortunately I think it was uh, Rod law in uh, in 79 or something no when was it some year when him and Hans, I think they clashed and they disqualified. Oh, yeah. 86. Katowice, yeah. 86. Was it in Katowice? Yeah, Katowice, okay, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> and, um, and, uh, but he was going for that. And then, as you said, he got injured but after Australia or something. And, uh, mm. uh, uh, but, uh, he, he he was the one that should should have won a title, I'm sure. He was not only a good rider, he was good looking as well. There was a little <laughs> bit of bit of, bit of pen all over him. All the girls were wild with him, you know. Uh, Tommy and uh, and uh, very good, very good person as well. And, and Tommy joined the team <clears throat> that that managed to retain the title, Ollie. And there's one, there's a meeting, I guess, that I wish I was old enough to have attended or, or remember. But a lot of people that have contacted me. Uh, want me to ask you about the the final shootout against Hull, where they reckon it was probably the biggest crowd ever seen at Brandon for a a thirteen heat shootout, winner takes all uh, against Hull and Ivan Major and his side. And 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 what sort of memories do you have of of that day building up to to what would eventually mean that the the team would retain the title in seventy nine? Oh, that was that was a fantastic. We we worked on that all season as well, and obviously when we got closer, and the last one was against Hull, uh, were Ivan and them. Uh, it was Ivan we had to beat because they were doing well too. So uh, it had to be decided there, which was fantastic. And uh, and uh, as you said, the crowd in there. I remember Charles had to to move the start a bit because there were so many people outside they couldn't get in uh, fast enough and. Um, it it was a fantastic match, and in those days, uh, as I told before, I used to have meetings with the riders um, 
before these big events and uh, uh, what we call big events in the league then and uh, tell them, look, this is, uh, this is how we're going to do it, boys. And I expect this from everybody. We actually started two or three matches earlier with those matches. I says, look, this is, this is how we're racing tonight. So let's get on the toes here. Really, we've got to beat them. And um, so we decided on that. And then uh, I, I used to tell them they, to get a new tie on, make sure, because some of them were too, too, uh, too weak on tires. You know, they would they, oh, it's a lot of money. I says, well, don't matter. We've got to win. You've got to put a tire on, uh, a proper tire. And uh, so, so you want us to change tire? Yes, we could, you could use, uh, you change the tires and make sure you've got a good edge on for, for the racing. And then, um, uh, all these sort of things, and and we 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 had this team spirit around. You know, we were jumping on a toe. We were we were real, real close team. It, it was a fantastic match, and um, uh, you know it, it was uh, it was great. And also the uh, the um, the I think that it was the TV. Was that when the TV that match? Didn't they um, on? on... I've never seen I've never seen the video of it, Ali. I don't know if they. No. Okay. Well, any, anyway, but... it was it was great. We we uh, we we beat them, and um, and uh, you know it it was fantastic. So uh, I think that uh, everybody did really great there. And uh, then Ivan came up to me after. He says, uh, uh, "Well done." He says, uh, "You did, but uh, you you were you were." He says, "You changed your tires and things like that. That's what my team wouldn't do." That he said. So I said, "Ivan." <laughs> You know that that's why you won the meeting. I says it wasn't won the meeting. We won the meeting because we were better than you achieved. Yeah. So uh, you know, but I, Ivan was that type of man. He's never lost a race, Ivan, and he's always been something. You know, which uh, which was good. I think that kept him going. Yeah. I remember when I first time beat Ivan Major in a scratch race final up at Newcastle. He says because I drove with him in the car. We. We we drove. Uh, he took me uh, in the car, and uh, we had the bikes on the back of, of a trailer. Him and I, and then he he told me, uh, uh, oh, years ago, he says to me uh, one day. I think it was one day when he stayed with us here in Denmark, uh, and uh, he came. We we went and saw a meeting in Sweden, and uh, uh, and then um, he he came back and he stayed with us some days, which he did. Um, we weren't riding any of us, uh, and uh, then he says to me in the car when we're driving, he says, Ollie, you remember the first time you beat me up at Newcastle in the scratch race final? <clears throat> I says, oh, yeah, <laughs> and I couldn't remember. I, I didn't remember that, but I didn't want to disappoint him, so I says, oh, I remember that. I just bought a new pair of gloves, he says. And the bloody clutch lever, it hang on to the clutch lever, wouldn't let the clutch out. <laughs> That's why you beat me in that final. <laughs> and, and he meant it. He meant it. You know, it wasn't something. It, it was fantastic. He was like that. Great, great, fantastic man. You know, he was. Uh, he broke his ankle in a long track final in uh, in um, in Yugoslavia. In those times, it was called Yugoslavia. And uh, and uh, he later, later, many years later, he had to get uh, that made stiff. He had to have a little piece of into the, his ankle so he, because he had a lot of pain in his foot. So he rang me <clears throat> from Australia, just come back from the doctor. And he says, Ollie, I'm getting this. You remember I broke my foot in Yugoslavia? He says, yeah, yeah, I remember that. So he said, 
and and I've got to have an operation, and there's a Dane that has designed a little piece that goes in so I can move my foot, a thing I can I must have operated in, and then there's a Frenchman, but they tell me that the Danish boy the doctor he he that's a better piece. But I've, cho I've chosen the French, he says, because I don't want to have any Danish inside my body. <laughs> <laughs> and we had a good laugh. He was like that. Him and Ray was driving in the car. Brilliant. Yeah, brilliant. It was brilliant. So, Ollie, after the, the two league championships, there was a, another couple of seasons where, although the league avoided us, it was a couple of League Cups and Midland Cups and that sort of thing. But when we get into sort of 82, um, you've mentioned that you, you've started the season wanting to get a bit of revenge on Bruce with the, with the World Final in America. But we, we, we then saw um, something that came out on TV, the Central Sports Special. Um, you had a great sort of relationship with Gary Newbon, who I think at one point you called him out and, and said that he was a Cradley fan. But, you know, they're the sorts of things that people can watch on YouTube now. And, and some of the great... Uh, TV coverage back in the day between yourself and, and betting Gary Noob on five pounds. What sort of memories do you have of those types of uh, events? Uh, oh, yeah, we had, we had uh, fantastic events. I mean, that was uh, on this this time, then Speedway was on World of Sport, you know, uh, yeah. which was so, and then also local, you know, on, uh, as you mentioned there, with the, but you had Dave Lanning, he was a fantastic uh, commentator for the sport and he he was uh, he was selling the sport fantastic, and uh, he he promoted it all the time. But he made it so exciting that uh, you had to see it. And I really thought uh, that that was a great stuff. And then obviously uh, in the Midlands you had this Central TV or whatever you know, and came and they filmed the the matches against Cradley and things like that. And uh, we had that special match there once. Um, uh, and uh, I remember that was we had to beat those cradley people all the time. You know, it was important, <laughs> and, uh, and it was the same. Uh, as a matter of fact, if I go back, uh, we won a couple of times at cradley as well, and um, I had to get police escort out out of the stadium because <laughs> there were fans were totally mad here, <laughs> and uh, I had to lie on on the back of my car. They drove my mechanic drove the car, and I was lying. On round the back under with a blanket over me to get out of the stadium because there were people were shouting and then we're gonna kill you all you know and things like that so but but I enjoyed it I thought it was good and it made it was it made the excitement of it so it was really good but that particular match I think it was also uh, <clears throat> with Cradley and and Gary Newborn, they, they started these interviews in the pits between each, which was very good. Him and Dave Lanning, they had a really good uh, partnership there. It really made it exciting and, and it was tremendous. And obviously, uh, Bruce was there and, um, you know, he, he interviewing Bruce all the time and uh, they, we were interviewing us as well. And I kept saying to him, I don't want to be interviewed before, you know, let's get a bit further in the match. And then obviously came to the crunch and Gary Newborn come in. And I'm sure he was a crazy fan because they, <laughs> he, he, they love the Americans, you know, they, they speak the same language and all that. It's English. And then he, 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 he said, oh, you know, it's got a uh, Bruce, what do you think? And I'll say, Gary, I'll bet you, you know, I think I think it's a five pound or something. 
you know, that, that we'll, we'll win this, we'll win this. Well, it's really exciting and things like that. So we went down and we did win it. And uh, it, it was great stuff. And I says, now you've got to double your money next time. <laughs> uh, you know, but uh, I should have said 50 quid. And he might have said, oh, I don't want to do that. <laughs> but it was good. It went on TV, went brilliantly. You know, it, it, was, uh, it, it was just uh, what we needed. It, it was exciting. Dramatic. Um and here's a great memory of those interviews with Gary Newbon for the Coventry versus Crady match where the Bees won 40-38, including the great sound of the Brandon Pitts klaxon at the start. We've had a bad run there. Gary, you know, he's had some very good... The kid rode like a world champion, you know, and he goes out, he stops, he sees, he does everything. Westlake's just done his engines and they're absolutely flying. But there's something wrong with his ignition or his carburetors and that. You don't see his four engines in a row. And it's tough luck on him, but it's very disappointing for the team as a whole because he can do it and he can go and there's no excuse for it. We can't afford to stop every race. You just asked Tommy Knudsen to go and win it for you. This is really important to you now, this match. It's very important. And every match I do in this is, is important. And, uh, but this one's got something special, hasn't it? There's a lot of tension. Well, we've got to win the league, you see. And if we don't beat them, we don't win the league. And we are a better team than them tonight. We may not be as strong, but we pull better than they do. We can put it together when it matters, and, and we go as this full side. That's why we deserve to win, and we will win. Watch it. It'll be 40-38. Yeah. You said that a few minutes ago. I'll put my money on that right. again, Gary. But, uh, that's another fibre I've lost. <laughs> make, it, make it 50 this time, will you? <laughs> oh, I think... No, you won fibre. There it is. There's the five pounds. I better get rid of that first. We'll bring in Gary. I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what Gary. I'll put it back. Next time, you double it. Okay. Next time I see you. All right. <laughs> what do you mean? I've just got me five of back. He's a sporting man, Mr. Olsen. Gary, you're great. You're I'll tell you what you better do. Take that and give him a, a, we'll a good drink. Get, get the team a drink, because uh, Gary won that for you at the end. There, did. Did. I know the team had done it. Tremendous. But... Six years in a row. Mate. Tremendous, mate. I love it. I love it. And that's how we want it. I told him, what a side we got here. We can do him. He's even got a broken hand, mate. That's right. Yeah, you give us some, mate. So, uh, I'll tell you what, he was trying to say it was just another match to him. Mate, I come in here, mate, all I could see was people jumping over the fence. What are they saying? Take it easy. Me, get going, mate. No, you were there, Gary. We're there for the point. Gary, this is, this is Speedway at its very best. It's a tremendous meeting. But you've got to give credit to the stadium. That track was prepared for fair racing, no messing. No advantage for us, because we like them a little bit slicker. And Charles says, I ain't having that. We put on like we were prepared for a big night and for the um, TV. And so it's nice and water probably and tremendous speedway. And that's what we got to give him. He treats it fair and that's why in the end we come out on top. And the crowds back then, Ollie, obviously the, the crowds have, have dwindled in, in British speedway over the years. But the crowds back then on a on a Saturday night, you know, you, you had to get to the stadium for sort of six, half six to be able to get even in the car park. I mean, it was... Some of the crowds that you rode in front of back then were, must have been great to ride in front of. Oh, it was fantastic! But in in the uh, in the uh, when the league got amalgamated, you know, like it became British League in '65, and then uh, 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 sort of late '60s and early '70s, uh, it really picked up in England, and uh, it, it was fantastic league. You know, we we were I think we were 22 teams or so. You only met once a year, home and away. And uh, and then you had, obviously, knockout cups and things like that. So 
it was tremendous. And every track had an open meeting, individual meetings, the, the Brandianapolis and uh, the East, uh, what's it called, the East Midland Trophy. Uh, no, uh, Kings Lynn, there was uh, Midland yeah. something. and Pride of the East. Yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah, I won that five times and uh, they gave me the trophy and I still got it in my, my office here. Wow. And uh, and you had the BLRC and uh, you had all these things and English fans were fantastic. They are still the best in the world, you know. They were they they were great in those days. Unfortunately, uh, if I may be a little bit critical, you know, we we did have um, uh, have promoters, you know, that 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 sort of just. Um, opened the door and it filled the stadium you know they never put much back into the stadium and that yeah. that is why Coventry and things like that it was owned by Charles Stadium they put money back into it but a lot of them was around the, the dog tracks uh, dog stadiums and uh, and they never invested anything in it they just paid the rent to the dog people and uh, and that so um, you know, it was, uh, but the fans here, there were so many, they supported, there were so many nationalities in Britain, which was uh, fantastic. And, uh, um, you know, it, it, so so they got great support wherever we went. There was always exciting. It wasn't if your home team didn't win, you know, they were a bit quiet, but there was lots of others that supported the away team and things like that. So, and the same at Wembley, they were so colourful because there was always somebody to cheer that they were with. I mean, all the support I got there was fantastic, you know. So, um, so uh, they, they were great fans. I remember when going down to Wembley in those days, you know, it was shocking, you know. They took, you saw bus after bus after bus load on the M M six motorway going down towards Wembley, their scarves and things like that hanging out, and every time we passed. And I had the bike on the on the trailer. Doot, doot, the horn was going, and everybody's <laughs> hanging out of the windows. We were passing them on the way down. They came right from left, right, and centre. You know, it, it was it was fantastic. It reminds me with the promoters, and some of the promoters didn't put so much back into. It. I remember I won a, a a big meeting at Newcastle, as well. Uh, this is back uh, some days, and. Uh, uh, you know, it was um, and and, and uh, it was one of the first meetings I won up there, and, and uh, it was an open meeting, and uh, I've got a beautiful trophy. They were coming out with. I saw this trophy, and, and they gave it to me, and and all that, and I thought, wow, wow, what a trophy! So I looked at the trophy, and it says "Dog of the Year" on it. It was <laughs> it, it was, it was a, a trophy. <laughs> promote he's ripped out of the bloody uh, uh, trophies uh, room you know in the in the, in the greyhounds and the, the dog of the year and i said to and ivan said to me he says uh, don't give it back to him because that's what they do tell him you want a hundred pound for it so i told promoter he says i've got to have the trophy back i says uh, you won't. So when I, when I did a lap with the trophy, I threw it over to Ivan and he threw it into the car and we locked the car. So then he came in and um, and Parker wanted the trophy back. So I says, I want a hundred pound for it. So uh, he ain't going to get that. But in the end, he had to give it to me and I gave him the trophy back. <laughs> but can you imagine? Dog of the year. Dog of the year. Probably the best, the best title you've ever won, Ollie. Would you reckon that in your career, the dog of the year? I should should have kept it. You know, it would have been <laughs> have been a special trophy to have that. 
So, uh, no, the, the fans here were, were brilliant. And um, that's what made it. And unfortunately, you know, it, uh, over the years, you know, it, it has gone down a bit in Britain and things like that. So uh, it's sad to see, you know, it's uh, now taken over by Poland. They're doing very well. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and also, but um, they've had a bit more luck in in some way in Poland with the with the stadiums and the, because um, Poland obviously after the war fame in in eighty nine you know uh, uh, it was um, you know a lot of things started up in Poland businesses and things like that it became more and also the EU supported the infrastructure in Poland very much so which means that all stadiums were renovated and big supermarkets come up and all these lots of tracks polish track were in the middle of the cities you see and uh, and these uh, these landowners sold these to supermarkets and uh, and and the lands that were owned by the councils uh, so uh, the council said well you have to build a new speedway stadium for for the clubs, you know, to get that land. So that's why a lot of them was refurbished and, uh, and rebuilt and new places, new places. So they got all that. So their stadiums has followed up, which means it's there where you it's happening nowadays. Yeah. And and you mentioned, Dolly, that obviously not qualifying for, for Los Angeles 82 meant that you, you wanted to give it another go in 83. Was it? Was it a case that once you knew you'd qualified for Norden that, that you were going to call time on your, on your career in, in the UK? Yes, <clears throat> I, I knew that. Uh, 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 the thing was, I couldn't, I didn't want to stop not being in a world final, you know. So, yeah. uh, you know, uh, I was knocked out in 82, the qualifying round. And, um, and then uh, I thought I was going to stop there and then I'm just going to make it, you know, finish it. Uh, but it, it's been going for two or three years, and I says this is it now. I'm, um, I'm sort of um, done enough laps, and uh, a little bit they don't have the same, uh, you know, uh, all this traveling and uh, flying around and things like that. So, uh, but um, then then it was sort of come to an end, and I said that that's it. I'm going to do 83. I'm going to stop. And I'm very glad that I did that because it was just the right time. And yeah. I never felt that I wanted to come back or try again or something. Never, ever. I actually haven't been on a bike, you know, a few times. When I start building these tracks uh, at the um, uh, big stadiums, you know, at Cardiff and uh, Warsaw and uh, Copenhagen and all these, these one-off tracks, uh, then I used to ride them and uh, <laughs> Just test them off and, and that and just get on. You, see, you never forget it. And a couple of laps, you know, then it was like I'd never been off. But um, yeah. I never had the urge to uh, to uh, to get back on, on riding. And I was pleased with that. We see so many, you know, that they still got to do all this on riding and racing and things like that. Then they miss it. They come back. But no, I had other things that were going for me. And obviously my time with them. Um, with the FIM and things like that, that I was building the Grand Prix and things like that gave me me a lot to, to do. And in, in that 1983 season, so the, the last meeting of the season at Coventry was always the Brandonapolis, uh, a very prestigious meeting. And, and that year it was also known as the Ollie Olsen Farewell. And Sunday, the 30th of October, uh, I remember the crowd was 
massive, um, mainly, I think, not because it was a brand Annapolis, but I think because it was being classed as your farewell. Um, my mum, before she passed away, never used to go speed rally, but that was one meeting that she went to. Um, I think she got fed up of my dad and me talking about you and whatever. Um, <laughs> and, and it showed that people... People knew who you were and, and even non-Speedway fans had heard the name of Ollie Olsen. And, and that day must have been a, a very emotional day for you. Yes, it was indeed. You know, it was very special. And uh, it was a fantastic meeting. Uh, uh, obviously, I had done the, um, the, the last meeting at, uh, at um, uh, you know, and, uh, in Denmark as well at, at Voins. And uh, it was fantastic. But then we had the... Um, the crowd and the whole setup and what Charles had done, you know, with statement. I remember the big uh, fireworks and all that, and the farewell, Ollie and uh, Gary Newborn and all that, um, and and uh, and Dave Lanning, you know, on the commentary, you know, it was uh, great words, and uh, I just felt so so uh, humble, you know, what they gave me, and. Uh, <clears throat> Also, uh, what Britain has given me in the sport and uh, meant so much to me. So, uh, obviously, it was a great feeling that I, I've given a lot back to them. And then, so um, that meant it was it was a special day, very special. And uh, obviously, I would have liked to have won it, you know, but then Kenny Carter was winning it and, uh, and I had a runoff with Hans Nielsen. Uh, I believe, uh, or something. But anyway, it was it was just the the event that was so great. It was fantastic. And and just to, I mean, you may know things like this, Ollie. But I mean, in your in your career with the bees, I mean, over fifty maximums, over you know fifteen or sixteen paid maximums, averages over ten points per meeting. I mean, you, it was literally you were at the top of your game for. For, for the want of a better phrase, so about 14, 15 years in the UK, you were you were a man that no doubt everybody wanted to beat, and that must have been a must have been a nice target for you that people wanted to try and beat you. Yeah, it was. It was uh, it was good, and uh, also uh, it, it was it was nice. And also when they beat me fair and square, I thought it was it was great. And um, obviously, uh, you know, it uh, it was um, uh, because you know you were winning what you were and, and the the rider you were, that's why they wanted to beat you and it was good. And uh, So uh, I felt good with that and obviously uh, in Denmark as well, I've had uh, my name is still, uh, you know, uh, quite, quite uh, good in Denmark. It's, uh, you know, people, all people knows me and when I get into a taxi in London still nowadays, you know, they say, uh, what are you here for? Oh, I'm over for some Speedway. Oh, Speedway. Mm -hmm. I remember Speedway. I used to go to Wimbledon and all that. Oh, yeah. And then uh, they come on and they insist, oh, there was this guy, you know, uh, uh, you know, Olsen, they say, and Major, you know, <laughs> they were the ones <laughs> to say to them. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah. That Olsen, he wasn't very good, was he? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> and then in the end, we got a good laugh when I told him it was me. So uh, he couldn't believe it. I had to get my autograph and that. So, so it's 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 been it's been great. I had Speedway given me so much, and uh, I feel also I've given quite a lot back to Speedway, and uh, which uh, is important for me. Yeah. And what was it like, Ollie? Skip ten years on. Um, what was it like knowing that Jakob had, had uh, got to the stage where he wanted to come over to Brandon and 
and he started his career uh, at Brandon in 93. That must have been quite a proud moment as well. Yeah, that was great. He was, uh, Jakob was, uh, he was very good on uh, when he started on the ADCC on the Mopitze and that, and he won the Danish championship and uh, he he was good. Him and Brian Anderson and them, they, they were all mates around that time and uh, he did very well. And also um, uh, he qualified for the uh, under 21 world title in, in, in Russia, but uh, he got very ill then at the Nordic championship or something in Finland. He got a, a virus of some kind, uh, which uh, was uh, very tough with him for, for years, mm. uh, you know. And um, so then uh, it was, um, yeah, he, 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 he uh, had uh, the things that we, I think he could have done very, very well. But um, on the other hand, then he was, uh, he got injured as well in Denmark. He, he broke his uh, arm uh, in a race I think with Hans Nielsen in a league match and uh, he had to have that operated and things like that so uh, you know it, it was good but for him to write at Coventry and for me to see that that was great I remember we were there for uh, under 21 championship as well when when he he, he they crashed I think in a race and uh, and he got us a, a cut you know over his his uh, eye, I think it was, and uh, bleeding all over the place. And it says, Jacob, that's, you know, just uh, you have to, oh, I'm, I'm ready. I want to go again, you know, and he jumps <laughs> out. And then Dr. Kenyon, you know, he, he stuck him a bit together, you know, with something. And uh, and he wrote, yeah, yeah, he, he was very determined. Mm-hmm. So that was good. And uh, I caught up with Jacob in a, in a previous episode, and, and he was, uh, you know, he talked about his time at the club very much. You could tell that he'd been involved, obviously, with yourself, Ollie, when he was a young kid, and you know has nothing but great memories of the place. And what what are your sort of what are your final thoughts on your your overriding memories of Brandon and and the fans and what the, what the place meant to you? Well, it meant everything to me. It was uh, the best, uh, you know. It's it stands very clear. Uh, all memories and things I have for the league then at Coventry, and obviously uh, Charles and Linda, you know, the promoter there was. Uh, Great and and Martin also Octree, you know they were involved in that. It, it was fantastic. All the people around there, the fans, the support we got, it, it was great. Uh, you know I can only say that uh, you know uh, I wish I could do it all over again, and I would do exactly the same. I would choose Coventry then to go directly mm-hmm. through there, but unfortunately, as we know now, the, the track's gone there, and uh, it's very disappointing. But uh, then that's how it happens now and then, you know, with these different tracks around the world. And and with Jakob now heavily involved with Voyans, Oli, what what sort of what's your plan now in terms of the world of Speedway? Are you still in the background heavily involved, or are you deciding now that it's time for Mister O Olsen to put your feet up and and relax a bit? No, I'm not getting younger, So, uh, but uh, I am relaxing. I mean, I do my bits and pieces, but I'm still involved in, uh, obviously, uh, uh, you know, building the tracks, uh, you know, and uh, do other bits and pieces that I, I'd be involved in. Uh, so, um, but obviously, due to uh, to um, the coronavirus and all that, it hasn't been a very successful season uh, 2020 and also again now it looks like uh, it's going to be a, a, a funny season again 2021 
So let's hope that we sort of get out of that and then uh, get into 22 when things are happening. This, But uh, I enjoy, uh, you know, uh, the time I have now. And um, so uh, obviously, you know, I see what's going on around the world, but uh, just not in the same intensive uh, as I did before. Um, but uh, do a bit of hunting, which I like, you know, that's sort of my, my hobby and um, I enjoy that very much. Okay. Well, Ollie, uh, I can't tell you what a pleasure it's been to talk to you today. Um, somebody that is down in history is, is a, definitely a Comptry Bees legend and, and a legend of sport in, in the whole. Um, it's been great catching up with you. Thank you so much for your memories. And uh, I hope that uh, things get back to a little bit of normality and you can catch up with some Speedway in, in the near future. And, uh, and, and I wish you a, a great rest of your day. Thank you so much for catching up. No problem at all. You're welcome, Martin. And I hope I was so too as well that I can start coming over to see England, to see Torben, our younger Torben, Jakob's younger brother. We haven't seen him for a year because we can't fly anywhere, you see. So uh, yeah. it's, let's hope it'd be a bit better soon. But uh, thanks again. And uh, I can feel you have a great passion as well for, for Coventry. So... Uh, uh, I enjoyed it as well. Great being with you. So all the best. No problem. Thanks for your time, Ollie. Have a good day. Cheers. Same to you.